Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Sentner Geology Podcast, episode 59. Nanaimo Sandstone, thanks for listening. It's a Sunday morning, and uh, the last episode of this podcast series was recorded yesterday on a Saturday morning. So I'm kind of on a roll here for a couple of reasons. One, boy, it's a tough time of the year, man. It's dark. It's uh, gloomy. Uh, I haven't seen the sun for a while. Uh, I thought we were going out hiking today, but Liz just informed me that she's got too much to do at school today, Sunday, uh, getting ready for the new semester at the high school here down the street. So, you know, the old adage, when... uh, When your wife cancels on you, go record a podcast. We've all heard that growing up. So, I'm going hiking. I guess I'm going over to Vantage today. Um, I guess it's going to be raining. What? It's the last day of January and we're, we're raining. Should be snowing, but whatever. So, just wanted to get this, uh get this uh, episode recorded because it's been on my mind since I was with you yesterday and talking about the Swakane Nice, and we finished the Swakane Nice discussion talking about these zircons that are super old, Uh, and we got into Baja BC, if you recall. I guess if you didn't watch, if you didn't listen to the last episode, you might do that real quick because we're just going to build off of what we did last time. But the Nanaimo sandstone, which uh, is straddling the international border between Canada and the United States, between British Columbia and Washington State, is our featured sedimentary unit today. And it's kind of confusing, I must say. It's, it's, um, it's part of the exotic terrain story, but it's, it's not one of these cats who came in off of the ocean. It's not a deep ocean story, and then we, we accrete the material like we've been doing so much in the last few episodes. This is different, and yet it works on the same themes that we had yesterday with the... Uh, or last time with the with the Swakane Nice. Uh, another preamble uh, out of the blue. It's I guess it's not coincidence. Maybe this teacher heard the episode and then emailed me. But I guess it, there's a decent chance she doesn't know about the podcast and uh, and just coincidentally emailed me uh, the middle of yesterday. And she's a sixth grade science teacher in Monroe, Washington. And she said, I'm working with my sixth graders on uh, the dinosaur bone that was discovered in Washington. And she said, is that Rangalia then? Is that this dinosaur bone coming from Rangalia? So I emailed her quickly and said, um, hey, number one, it's great that you're teaching this kind of geology uh, uh, at the sixth grade level. Congrats on that. And then I gave her some couple of little nuggets that uh, I, I think were helpful to her about the Nanaimo sediment. And yes, it's part of the Rangalia story, but no, it's not really part of the Rangalia story. And that's what we're hoping to do here today. And yeah, we're talking about dinosaurs a little bit, even though I don't know anything about dinosaurs today. So let's get into it. Um, let's start with the dinosaur thing. 
you know, I've been making programs for the public in different forms for uh, more than a decade now, and I, I always feel like, or I usually feel like I have a, a decent feel for what people are interested in based on all the feedback I get in, in person or email or whatever. Usually not surprised by a, a major kind of uh, miscommunication between folks who are interested in geology here in the Pacific Northwest and the, and the geologists. But this dinosaur thing, um, I was totally surprised. And here's what I mean. Uh, I, I made a, uh, a lecture in downtown Ellensburg called Exotic Terrains of the Pacific Northwest. Forgive me if I've already said this. I, I Honestly, I've I've been I've been productive with a lot of stuff in the last year and it's been a blast but I I'm starting to get confused about what I've done where and when and how and it's all kind of in a blender in my mind so I feel like I need to throw that disclaimer in every once in a while so forgive me if I just if I just laid this down but in case I haven't I did that exotic terrain of the Pacific Northwest lecture it's on YouTube you can find it and I open with this hook about why don't we have a bunch of dinosaur bones and dinosaur fossils in Washington? And I shared the news that the first dinosaur bone ever found in Washington State was found in the Nanaimo sedimentary rocks on an island called Sushia Island in the San Juan Islands just south of the Canadian border in Washington, but almost in Canada. And, you know, I was just setting the hook in that lecture, and there's, you know, there's a room full of people, and uh, men, of course, a bunch of people, like, shouting out immediately, like, well, what a, don't forget Sela, don't forget uh, what they found down at the Tri-Cities. And I, you know, I, I kind of like, you know, brushed him off, like literally in front of the cameras, like just shut up. But I was like rattled, like what, huh? And I didn't, you know, I had so much, you know, th those are you get you get one shot to do those live lectures, you know. <laughs> There's no retakes, <laughs> and you you know you have the the camera crew and the everything's all set, you know, and so the adrenaline's going pretty hard, and you're concentrating so hard. Okay, by the way, um, you know, I suppose there will be a time in the future that I'll be back to giving live lectures. It doesn't feel like it right now, does it? Man, it's hard to imagine normal life. We don't need to go there. But anyway, um, I'd always vent to my wife. You know the person who just stood me up for a hike today? Yeah, she's She's a nice person, but... Yeah, I didn't want to hike with her anyway, if she's going to be all anxious about school. Anyway, um, I'd always vent to my wife after the lecture. You know, she'd always go to those lectures and then come home and she'd have a little glass of wine and it's past her bedtime, but, you know, I'm, you know, all ramped up and say, oh, man, yeah, that went pretty well, I think. I don't know. What do you think? And she'd break it down. She'd say, yeah, that was, that was good and that was interesting and I noticed that was... You know, she'd always sit in the back of the room and kind of observe the reaction, etc. But I would always be needing to vent that, you know, 
five minutes before this lecture that I'm, I'm going to deliver, and I've been rehearsing it over and over and over and over and over, just mumbling to myself, walking through the neighborhood like every day, just like you know, getting ready for this lecture. And then people would just come up and start chit-chatting about this meteorite they found in their backyard and... There's a room full of 200 people, and I'm ready to go on that stage and and start delivering this lecture. And <laughs> it's just, I'm always dumbfounded by that. Like there's no there's no context or anything. They're just like, oh yeah, there's the geology guy. Yeah, let me go talk to him quick. Uh, you know, something like they got rocks in their pockets that they're pulling. And it's like, look at this. This is purple. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's purple. All right. Gotta go. Oh no 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 no! I got I got I got something in my backpack. Surely get get my backpack. I gotta sh- listen, sir. I gotta get on. Okay. <laughs> that always just <laughs> floors me. Uh, so that lecture I was talking about dinosaurs, and there's an immediate like pushback, kind of in a light-hearted way, but they're like, "Don't forget about ta ta ta." So the part that I totally missed. And I, I don't I don't think I'm um, I don't think I'm off on this. I think there is a major amount of confusion about the difference between ice age mammals and dinosaurs, at least here in Washington. I mean, does that surprise you? Does that surprise you that that people who are interested in geology? I mean, they're coming to a geology lecture. And they're sure that this Colombian mammoth that's being excavated out of some Ice Age frickin' flood deposits is a dinosaur. Oh, how about that dig they're doing over there in Moxie? Yeah, that's a, that's a fucking mammoth. What are you talking about? Oh, it's big. That's a big, that's a big, that's a big boy there. It's not a dinosaur. What are you doing? All right, so in case you're confused, dinosaurs dominated the planet, or I don't know, I don't know anything about paleontology, but the age of the dinosaurs is the Mesozoic era. That's 251 million years ago until 66 million years ago. The dinosaurs became extinct suddenly, worldwide, 66 million years ago. There are no dinosaur bones in any rocks around the world younger than 66 frickin' million years ago. You're not going to find a dinosaur bone in a bunch of Lake Lewis deposits that are 16,000 years old. What are you doing? Okay, now that I got that off my chest... We have found one, and only one, fragment of a left thigh bone of a theropod, which I think is part of a... uh, The Tyrannosaurus rex are like, you know, part of that family. Again, I don't know anything about dinosaurs. Actually, theropods are not Tyrannosaurus rex. There's a... Okay. All right. Good for you. It's a dinosaur bone. Found on Shushi Island. They weren't looking for dinosaur bones. There's folks from the Burke Museum tied to the University of Washington. They're on Sushi Island looking for ammonites, which are also from that time window. They're in some silt stones 
on Sushi Island, about 80 million-year-old siltstones. No frickin' Ice Age mammoth there. Daddy's got an edge this morning. I think he got his feelings hurt. I think Daddy got his feelings hurt. He was all ready to go hiking with his... with the love of his life. Ever read those obituaries? That's sweet, but, like, do we all have to say the love of her life, the love of his life? Okay, they were married, okay? They were in love. We, we can do the math on that. God. <laughs> Probably a mistake for <laughs> recording this this morning. <laughs> all right, anyway. So you're like, hey, listen, I'm listening to a geology podcast. Would you get to it? All right, let's do it. That theropod, that fragment of the left thigh bone uh, of a dinosaur, 80 million years old, pulled out of siltstone. The siltstone on Sushia Island is part of a much larger group of sedimentary rocks called the Nanaimo. The Nanaimo group, I guess it's a group. Is it a formation? I guess it's a group. doesn't matter. It's a bunch of layers. And the layers in the Nanaimo, the sedimentary layers of the Nanaimo, we're not talking about gneisses today, no metamorphic rocks today. This is sedimentary material. It's still sedimentary. As opposed to the last couple of episodes where we had sedimentary material and then we buried it, remember? Went down the geologic elevator and we converted that sedimentary material to metamorphic schists and metamorphic gneisses. That's not happening today. That's not happening today. This is Mesozoic sedimentary rock. It's still sedimentary. And I guess I'm titling this episode of the podcast Nanaimo Sandstone because we're going to focus on the sand grains in the Nanaimo. But to be more precise, uh, the Nanaimo group is a series of sedimentary layers that are not all sandstones. Some of them are siltstones, dinosaur bones. Some of them are conglomerates. Some of them are shales in the Nanaimo. Some of them are, are coal beds. There's a significant amount of coal, old plant material in the Nanaimo. The age range of the Nanaimo goes from 90. The oldest part of the Nanaimo group is 90 million years ago uh, up to about 66 when the dinosaurs become extinct, coincidentally. 90 to 66 million years ago, the age of the Nanaimo group. So, okay, I'm already out on my knowledge of dinosaurs, except to say, isn't it kind of weird that, I don't know, how many episodes have we done with this podcast series on the exotic terrains, and we haven't talked about dinosaurs. This is all stuff happening during the Mesozoic. Dinosaurs are, you know, a thing on the planet during much of this drama. How come we don't have dinosaurs left and right? I think the short answer is the exotic terrains have a deep ocean story. No dinosaurs in the bottom of the ocean, as far as I know, living on the bottom of the ocean. And it's such an active place. We're, we're bringing in this ocean crust. We're accreting it. and We're doing the Baja BC thing, moving stuff north. There's a lot of movement is my point. And we don't have quiet sedimentary basins generally. The active western margin of North America during the Mesozoic is active. It's not a place that's, you know, a quiet, tranquil scene 
generally in the grand scheme of things. So this is kind of unusual for us to have this, uh, what appears to be rather continuous sedimentation in this Nanaimo Basin, we can think of it that way, between 90 and 66 million years. Now, the sediment in the Nanaimo sedimentary basin has been worked very carefully through the years, and there's been a resurgence, as I understand it, of interest in the Nanaimo sandstones. I'll just say sandstone, even though you know it's conglomerate, siltstone, shales, etc. There's been new interest by researchers at Simon Fraser University, which I believe is in Vancouver, British Columbia. I should know, but I, I think it is. They're in the same athletic conference, by the way, at, as my school, Central Washington University, and University of Calgary. So graduate students, professors from those two schools, and others as well, of course, but Calgary and, and Simon Fraser uh, have been analyzing the grains, the sedimentary grains, the sand grains in the Nanaimo. And you're like, okay, well, what? Are they doing dinosaur research? Are they looking for more dinosaur bones? No, I don't think so. Instead, they're they've been working on depositional history of the sedimentary material of the Nanaimo. Now, I don't think I even really set this up properly. Do you know where we're talking about today? We're not in Wenatchee anymore. We've got to go to extreme northwestern corner of Washington. Can I describe it for you? The San Juan Islands. Oh, we've talked about the San Juan Islands. We had a whole episode on the San Juan Islands. So you've got a general sense of where that is. Remember, that was the, those are the islands out in the water of Puget Sound west of Interstate 5, west of Bellingham, Washington, south of the Canadian border, northeast of the Olympic Peninsula. Okay, fine. Well, the northernmost San Juan Islands have this Nanaimo sandstone dominating the bedrock. So there's glacial deposits everywhere, of course, but the glacial deposits rest directly on the Nanaimo sedimentary material, with some of the islands. I only know one of the islands, Sushia, S-U-C-I-A, Sushia, in northern Washington. But that continues across the border into Canada, to the north, and significant portions of Vancouver Island on the east coast of Vancouver Island is Nanaimo. There's a town called Nanaimo, British Columbia, home of Jerome Lessman, who I was emailing with regularly this past fall, and he was a major help with the Nanaimo um, live stream that I did in, uh, must have been late November. So there's a lot of exposure of Nanaimo sandstone on opposite sides of Puget Sound up in British Columbia. I guess they don't call it Puget Sound up there. What do they call it? Oh, man, I don't even know. There's a name. I can't think of it. The, the Salish Sea is, I think, just the... What's the Salish Sea? Is that a, a, kind of like a geographic or geologic label, kind of taking all this water that's on both B.C. and Washington side and putting it together? God, I can't think of the name of that. Well, anyway, there's a bunch of water. We know that uh, between Vancouver, B.C. and Victoria, B.C., and the shorelines of much of that landscape 
uh, Nanaimo. Okay, so between 90 and 66. So back to the sixth grade teacher. She's like, so, so is, is the dinosaur bone coming from Rangelia? Technically, no. However, also yes. The yes is beneath the glacial... Let's just go to Sushi Island. We're back in Washington briefly. Let's, let's get beneath the glacial deposits. Now, the glacial deposits are from the Puget Lobe, and that's, that's ice-deposited material, whether it's glacial till or outwash, in the last two million years, let's say. Last two million. Younger than two million years. Okay, now let's get below the glacial till. Can we find some bedrock? Sure we can. What's, what's the bedrock on Sushi Island? Yeah, it's the Nanaimo between 90 and 66. That's significantly older than two, correct? But what's beneath the Nanaimo? Are there places where we can see the contact between the Nanaimo and what's below? Answer is yes. Not necessarily on Sushia, but if you look at all those San, uh, San Juan Islands, you get below the Nanaimo, and it is Rangelia bedrock, which you recall from the Insular Superterrain show was a bunch of Carmuts and basalt, part of a large igneous province that formed in the southwest Pacific. Is this coming back to you? And that large oceanic plateau uh, makes this incredible journey as we understand it today. Those, those ideas might change, but the data we have so far says that the massive amounts of basalt of Rangelia, an exotic terrain, was not created in North America, but that flood basalt was flooding the basalt ocean, was flooding the ocean floor in the southwest Pacific, and then that thing took a ride on a series of ocean plates, or maybe just one ocean plate now that I think about it. And anyway, it's, it's here. So you've got basically um, Oceana basalt. On top of that, Nanaimo sediment that is local, that is North American. That's an important distinction. And so this, this dinosaur is being, this dinosaur was living in North America. This is not, so this, is, this is interesting. I hadn't thought about doing it this way. You know, once we, once we really got rolling with the exotic terrain live stream series from home, and I'm, I'm just kind of grabbing what I think might be ideas that work in audio form here with you. For instance, I haven't, I don't think I'm doing a Chelan Migmatite show because I still don't really get that. It's beautiful rock, but... We're leaving that alone. But one thing I can do here in audio form is just kind of um, think about things slightly differently. So I had a little original thought last episode, and, and, and now I got one right here, kind of, that each of these exotic terrains has its own story. We know that. But if we uh, assign a place of origin, a place of origin, almost an ethnicity to these exotic terrains. That's another way to think about them. So, you know, I don't know the geography of Southwest Pacific today very well. I mean, we're down Philippines, Guam, uh, 
Tahiti? Is that down there? I don't know. South Pacific, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein, the whole thing. Is it Hammerstein or Hammerstein? Anyway. Um, Bali That's the Karmutsen Basalt that's now in the rainy, talk about rainy and soggy, uh, Vancouver Island area. But we don't want that exotic South Pacific for the Nanaimo. That's my point. It's sitting directly on top, and it is part of the exotic terrain story, as you'll see in a second. I am building towards something. It doesn't feel like it, but I am. But the Nanaimo is homegrown. In other words, if you recall, that insular superterrain with Karmutsen and a bunch of other stuff was accreted, do you remember? The main event 100 million years ago. 100 million years ago, we add a substantial amount of real estate to the Pacific North, well, to the western margin of North America. Let's put it that way. 100 million years ago, main ad, the last major ad of, 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 of land. It was a big event, the main event, 100 million years ago. And what was the date of the Nanaimo? Starting 90. So we've already docked insular, and now here's the concept we want. We're finally there at, at minute 25. The concept we want for the sediment in the Nanaimo Basin is sediment being deposited in a sedimentary basin on top of insular after it got accreted. One more time, add insular superterrain 100 million years ago and then start bringing sediment into the area and depositing on top of this docked supercontinent. You've got it now. And the work from the Calgary people and the Simon Fraser people tell us that early in the game, the source of the sediment in the Nanaimo is coming from the west. There's all sorts of ways they can do that. They can look for paleocurrent indicators within the sandstones and the conglomerates. They can analyze the grains of sand and find a source for those grains of sand. And the bottom line is, it's mostly a submarine fan story. So there's water. Uh, I'm maybe going to lose some of you now, but let's, let's keep rolling in case you're with me. Yeah, we've docked the insular, but by 90... Actually, why is this? Why wouldn't there be a huge mountain range? Why do we have a, a submarine scene for the insular? I don't know the answer to that. Let's move on. The details recorded in the earliest parts of the Nanaimo, let's say 90 to 80 million years ago, is a submarine situation. Uh, there's coal beds in places. So it's kind of brackish water, maybe. Maybe we have this, this, this basin that gets filled with sediment, but the sea level is nearby, and so we're above water, and then we're below water, and then we're above water, and then we're below water. I don't know if we care, but the part that we do care about, at least by we I mean me, is that the sediment is coming from the west. It's coming from Vancouver, what is now Vancouver Island. But as we get younger in Nanaimo, this biggest part of today, 
as we get younger in the Nanaimo, now we're into younger than 80. Now we're into younger than 70. Higher up in the stratigraphic sequence, in other words. The source flips to the east. So I'm looking at another screen grab from another live stream from the front porch. And I got one little cartoon with the strat column of Nanaimo, and I got 90 at the bottom and 66 at the top, and I colored it a special kind of rose pink or whatever. And I've got the word submarine fans and exclamation point. And in the earliest part of Rangelia, uh, sorry, the in, earliest part of Nanaimo, I have the Rangelia to the west as the source of the Nanaimo, and then there's this flip. As we get younger in the Nanaimo, suddenly the rivers are coming from the east instead of the rivers coming from the west. And between 8, I'm making it up now, between 80 and 66 maybe, let's say, we have sediment coming from the east. Who cares, you say? Well, hey now, did you just listen to the last episode? Late in the Swakane, nice discussion, we had rivers coming from the east. Do you remember the context of that? I'll remind you, last episode, Swakane Nice, late in the game, it was mostly our coat. I'm talking about the Swakane now, down by Wenatchee, with the smell of urine in the air. It was an Arcosic sandstone in the Swakane between 93 and 81. That was the original material, the protolith, before we went down the geologic elevator. And it was mostly Arcosic sand grains between 93 and 81. But do you remember what else was in that? There was some Precambrian zircon sand grains, older than, I'm, oh, I can't remember, so I just said older than 600 million last time. They're Precambrian. They're f- hundreds of millions of years older than they should be, quote unquote, in that protolith of the Swakane Nice. Well, same thing here, man. Same thing here. In the Nanaimo, same thing. What do I mean, same thing? There's those same frickin' Precambrian kosher salt grains. Those zerk, there are some, more than just a couple, sand grains in the Nanaimo basin that are not the appropriate age. They're not sand grains between 90 and 66, which is the story of the Nanaimo. Instead, here come all these Precambrian grains again from the east. And if you're an excellent podcast student, you remember very late last time, there were two main candidates for the source of those Precambrian sand grains. Again, rivers are bringing the Precambrian sand grains from the east and dumping them into this basin, which last time was the Swakane story and today is the Nanaimo story. Do you remember the two candidates for geographically where that Precambrian sand was coming from? I'll wait. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just waiting. Oh, furnace just kicked on. Beezer the cat's sleeping. My wife is sleeping. It's raining on January 31st. 35 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Why would anybody go out and hike today? Well, maybe I'm going to go to bed, back to bed. Okay. You got the answer? What was the question? The question is, what is the source of those Precambrian sand grains in the Nanaimo? Can we find a match? Can we find some bedrock in North America's craton that is a smoking gun, that's a perfect match? And I don't know anything about running a... I don't even know the name of the lab. I don't know anything about analyzing zircons, but many of these geology programs have fancy labs like that, and they can come up with this amazing statistical breakdown of all these little sand grains, zircons, durable guys, and they're coming from where? The answer was either those Precambrian zircons came from the Mojave Desert, in Southern California, talking about North America's craton now, so we have to be far east, almost into Nevada, basically. Or we need to go to the Lemhi Mountain Range in central Idaho, very close to my field area when I was doing some Snake River Plain volcano research uh, 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. Those are the two choices. And it's a significant Uh, point because there's still two active research groups that do not disagree and who cares it's just a bunch of pinheads arguing about this well uh, you could always say that but what's in the balance the validity of Baja freaking BC man and you're like I, I, wait a minute I was with you and I, that last sentence I don't get well let's try it again where is the Nanaimo sedimentary basin physically, geographically? Where is that Nanaimo basin as it's receiving these Precambrian kosher salt grains? Is it here in the Pacific Northwest? Is it due west? Is the Nanaimo basin due west of Idaho? And rivers are bringing the eroded Precambrian craton from central Idaho and uh, bringing those Precambrian salt grains, you know what I mean, zircons, to the, the Nanaimo Basin and depositing them. And then that Nanaimo, which is riding on top of Rangelia, gets moved, what, 500 miles north across the border? Or... Are those zircons, Precambrian in age, sprinkled through much of the Nanaimo sedimentary basin? Are those from the Mojave? Are those from Southern California? Or in places, are they from Baja, Mexico? The zircons. Same idea, rivers coming from the east, rivers bringing zircon uh, sand grains from the east and bringing them to the west and depositing them in the Nanaimo Basin. But what's the difference? More than a thousand miles of difference, man. What I'm trying to say, and I think some of you see it now, what I'm trying to say is that the Nanaimo sedimentary layers are like frosting on top of a Rangelia cake. 
The cake came from Southwest Pacific. The frosting was made here. But where was that cake when we were making the frosting? Was that cake more than 1,500 miles south of where it is now? Or was that cake 500 miles south of where it is now? And there's multiple ways to try to figure out the answer to that. But one of the main ways these days is to look at those little sprinkles, those little kosher, we're off of sprinkle, we're off of salt now because we're talking about frosting. Those little sprinkles, the zircons are now sprinkles. Is there another name for it? Sprinkle? What do you call it in your country? What do they call sprinkles on a cake? Did those sprinkles come from Idaho or did they come from Nevada or the Mojave Desert in southeast uh, California? It's an important question. And the scientific papers continue to be published up till today. Oh, we got a group that says it's Idaho zircons. Oh, we got another group that says it's Mojave zircons. Back and forth, back and forth, back. They all have their data. They all have their stats. There are all these weird kind of plots that I still don't even really understand how to read very well. So the Nanaimo is an important sedimentary unit, not because it's an exotic terrain itself. It wasn't. The, the Nanaimo sediments were deposited here in North America. But where in North America? Where? That's exciting. And I, as I understand it, as I've been interviewing these folks who've been working on these issues and emailing them back and forth, there was, 20 years ago, real hope that within 20 years, uh, you know, whatever. In the last 20 years, there's been a lot of hope that this Zircon thing would just, like, totally nail the question of Baja BC thing being a thing or not. But right now, we have the Zircon research folk, and they're still split. Maybe more with the Mojave story than not, but still enough folks who are into the Idaho thing. And then I, as soon as I say that, I give you the impression that there's thousands of people weighing in on this. That's the whole other thing. Uh, the biggest surprise to me at all when I started l reading and learning and talking about Baja BC, hardly anybody's even thinking about it. <laughs> I think I've probably made that point before. This is like super exciting, super sexy, involving major questions about the entire western part of North America, and most are just ignoring the whole question. Chris Mattinson, who's been deep into research, and he's a colleague here at CWU, he said, I, yeah, I've really been enjoying these live streams, and uh, I just haven't, you know, I haven't even thought about Baja BC. I thought it was just like some crackpot thing that doesn't even really apply anymore. So it's much of this is just a PR deal, just trying to like get this set of ideas out there again, if it was ever out there to begin with. So that's my small contribution, is just getting the spotlight over to the Baja BC ideas and the few workers that we have, and possibly there'll be a, another, uh, possibly there'll be some renewed interest in these ideas, because they are fascinating.
and you're listening to this, so maybe you have interest as well. Hey, everybody. We're at the 40-minute mark. I think we'll cut it short there or cut it or bring it to a close. Yeah, maybe I do need to go back to bed. So we were talking about the Nanaimo sedimentary layers today. Not only the details of, uh, you know, ages and a little bit of fossil content and sources and that sort of thing. But to me, the Nanaimo is exciting because we can plug it directly into some of the biggest tectonic questions that we have these days involving the entire west margin of North America. Pretty sweet. Where do we go next with the series? I'm not sure. I don't know. There's a Metau live stream. There's a Western Melange Belt live stream. There's a bunch of these others. I don't know if I want to deal with those or not. So I'll do some thinking about that, and I can't promise when the next uh, audio podcast is up, but I sure do appreciate you listening to this one. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you all have a good day. I love you, and goodbye.